Welcome to the Financial Feast Podcast. I'm Kevin. And I'm Zach. And today we're going to be talking about financial independence. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, glad that you could join us for episode number 19 yes. on the Financial Feast Podcast. We're excited to get into this idea, this topic that a lot of people kind of uh, here maybe, but don't fully understand. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to help you understand a little bit better by kind of defining what financial independence is, giving a little bit of a case study on maybe what it isn't, maybe what some people think that it is and, yes. and it actually isn't. And then we we have a great source that we love that kind of walks through a bunch of different tenants that people who are pursuing financial independence kind of go after. So things that they're modeling in their own life. And we're going to talk through those briefly mm-hmm. and kind of help you understand a little bit about what that might look like for you. Uh, but before we get to that. Yes, you just actually had your uh, your wife had a birthday and she did. Too. They share the birthday, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah, they do. Um, <laughs> but you guys, I heard you were going to go somewhere pretty nice for your birthday. We did. We went to a steakhouse uh, about 30 minutes away from our house. Okay. And we learned some interesting things at this steakhouse. Oh, so yeah? um, my wife's a big steak fan and we like a dry aged steak. We got a 40 day dry aged steak last night. So for anybody who doesn't maybe fully understand um, what what that is, I'm not the guy to ask because I don't know either. <laughs> but essentially, they're like drying the meat. Um, and what that does is it breaks down all the muscle fibers in the meat and gets it more tender. Ooh. I don't know how exactly how all that happens. And there's a period of time, right? And as you go longer, it gets more tender, I guess. Um, but what we learned last night, which was quite interesting, is... The piece of meat as she's eating it, because it's 40 days, she, yeah. as she's eating it, it had like this this flavor <laughs> that oh. wasn't steak. And we like weren't sure what it was. It kind of had like this background kind of funk to it. And it, and it wasn't like – it sounds bad. It wasn't it like sound bad. bad, right? It but it was like, like – it was a little like strange. So when we left, she's on her phone. We're driving home. And she looks it up. And apparently after about 30 days, steak starts to – they, they called it like this blue cheese funk. It starts to get this kind of like this okay. background kind of thing yeah. because of the dry aging process. So as you get farther along, obviously it gets a little stronger. Yeah. So since that starts at 30, and you guys had it at 40. we were at 40, it was, it, was, it was noticeable. Yeah. So for anybody out there, if you're getting a dry aged steak, go under 30 days because mm. it, wasn't, it wasn't necessarily bad, but it was something that was off-putting enough yeah. that she wasn't like in love with the steak. So tender-wise, like from that standpoint, extremely tender piece of meat. It was great tender-wise. They cooked it beautifully. The, the establishment did a great job, but the meat itself just had just a little bit of like, yeah, just, what's going on sound here? Very so, all right, so that's, that's where we're at. I got yeah. a dry-aged burger. Though, which was phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> it was really good. Okay. Really, that sounds really good. good. I mean, um, a good burger you can't pass up. Yeah, no. And it was interesting because you're at this fancy steakhouse, right? And the burger was 16 bucks, which you're like, oh, that's a lot of money for a burger. But you go down to Red Robin, how much is the burger at Red Robin? It's like $15, yeah, I think, is. at Red Robin. Yeah. So I didn't really feel like I was yeah, that's paying not an bad. exorbitant amount for no. a dry-aged 
well done, beautifully cooked piece of meat. So I was very happy with the burger. Yeah, now um, I'm hungry. So that's good. There you go. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So back to financial independence. Um, uh, so right. when we're talking about financial independence, I yes. think people have two different views on how they're defining financial independence and what they think that might look like in their life. So one of them, we don't, we're not, that's not what we're going to go with today. Yeah. We're going to go with the second option, but yeah. why don't you kind of explain what option number one that people might be thinking through when they're going through financially independent? Yeah. So some people kind of think financial independence is more like you're kind of on your own now. So maybe you've left your parents' house, your guardian's house, or some other family member that you've been living with. Now you're all on your own and you have enough money to cover your bills and maybe have a little bit amount left over. But yeah. basically they would define it as I have enough to cover my expenses. And in their mind, that makes them financially independent. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not dependent on right. on somebody else to pay my yes. bills. I'm yes. paying my bills. Right. Which I mean, I guess in theory, right, that that is financially independent, right? I'm not waiting for mom and dad to do the bills that I have. So I am, I am independent on my own, but when we're talking about the idea of financial independence as as like I want to pursue financial independence in the long term. That's not what we're talking right, about today. Right, right, right. And I think the key indicator there is more, there is still a job that is needed to be done. You still would have to work or find a way to get income to come in. Yeah. Or else you wouldn't be able to be financially independent. Yeah. So can you look at option number two then, which yeah. is kind of what we're going to be pursuing today and kind of lay out, we'll look at first, let's give a rough, maybe definition, explanation about what it is. And then we can go into maybe a little bit of what it's not mm -hmm. to kind of help people maybe make that a little bit more specific. Yes. So what do you think financial independence, as far as what we're going to be talking about today, would look like? So I think financial independence is more along the lines of you would not need to work and still be able to cover your expenses. Yeah. So you're now independent to the point of, that doesn't mean you don't have to work, right? It just means you don't, it, it doesn't mean that you, you know, can't just go out and it get It doesn't mean job. that you're not going to work. Yeah. It just means that you don't, like, need to work in order to survive. Exactly. That's yeah. where we're at. So uh, for most people, it doesn't really occur until retirement. They always think of it as that 65-plus number. I yeah. got to save for it. That's retirement. Then I could, don't have to work. I can still pick up a job if I want, but I don't have to. At that point, I'll be financially independent. Yeah. And that's yeah. where a lot of people have that definition of financial independence. Yeah, and and the reason that we can maybe bump that number up is for a lot of people when they're pursuing this financial independence, right? When we think of earning an income, we think of going to jobs, working nine to five, right? Getting a getting a paycheck weekly, biweekly, whatever that looks like, right? And that's what's paying our bills, and that's what we're putting towards savings, and that's what's going to give us financial independence at insert age when we retire. Yeah. Right. But for a lot of people, they're able to build up streams of passive income that they now, when they hit 45 years old, the streams of passive income, whether that be rental properties, whether that be uh, other business ventures, whether that be selling things online, whatever it is, is able to bring them in enough money that they can now stop their nine to five job. Yeah. And that's able to cover their expenses. So then they're retired, right, in the common sense of not going to a job anymore, but they can still do things. They right. can still they can still work, they can still go get a job because they want to bring in more money or it's just it's fulfilling. 
Yeah, right? absolutely. But that's the financial independence that we're talking about. Yes, yes, it is. And I guess kind of to clear more, uh, put more clarity around it, uh, what it's not, right? Yeah, so yeah. what this is not is it's not only for people who have a lot of money. It's not for people who have $5 million or $3 yeah. million or $10 million or whatever the amount may be. This can still happen even if you don't have that big money, yeah. right? Yeah, and I think that's a big misconception yes. that a lot of people have. Yes. Even any, and even if we're going to to shoot it out to 65, I can't possibly be financially independent when I'm 65 because I still won't have X amount of money, right? Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily need $5 million to retire at any age, really, depending yeah. on what your lifestyle is and, and, and what your expenses are, right? Yeah. So it, you don't have to be quote unquote, wealthy yes. in order to be financially independent. Correct. Yes. And it's, so that's the key one right there. It's not only for the people who might have a lot of money. It's also not early retirement. Yeah. It's not a forced early retirement where, okay, you're done working. Now just go out, do what you do. Right? Yeah. Go sit on a beach, right? For the yeah. next 18 years and, and do nothing. Yeah. Right. Now it could be that. It could be. It could be that, but that's not, that isn't intrinsically what it is. Yes. Right? When we're talking about financial independence, that doesn't mean that you have $10 million sitting in the bank, Mm -hmm. you've now quit your job, and the streams of income that you have through whatever money you have is just fully funding whatever lifestyle you want, and you can do whatever you want at any point in time because you now have this drove of money, right? Financial independence could be, well... I have streams of money coming in so I can still pay my bills. Yeah. I'm still going to work because I want I want to be working. Um, I, I enjoy the the community that I'm building. Yeah. I enjoy achieving things in my own personal life, right? I have my own job that I'm doing. I enjoy having podcast episodes and I can do yeah. things like this, right? But I don't necessarily need them. Right. So that's that financial independence. So when we're projecting out to financial independence, right? There's a lot of things that people work in their own life as far as I need to achieve this. I need to hit kind of these bumps in my life. I need to kind of tick these things off in order to fully achieve that. Yeah. And I think what it is is there's – so in order to achieve financial independence, I think the key that we also have to know is that it's different for everybody first. It is. Right? It is, for sure. Yeah. So your financial independent, maybe money amount or whatever might make sense for you might not be the same for me. Yeah. And knowing that going into it so that when we're telling you kind of how to do this, this is going to be different for you than for us. But just having these guidelines and things that you can do is helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And and when we're talking about financially independent also, I think it's just important to realize that this is this is something that hopefully once you once you become financially independent, this is a lifelong yes, thing. It is. This isn't like, oh this I hit financial independence, right? And and now I'm gonna do it for a month and then ah, oh, I need to go back to my work and yeah. and get a job again. Like it's it's a big planning process, right? There's a lot of work that needs to go into being fully financially prepared for the rest of your life, ideally. Yeah. So I guess let's just go ahead and get into kind of how to do this, right? Yeah. So let's let's kind of build this out. And what we'll probably do here is we're just going to kind of touch on these on this podcast here. Uh, we're going to kind of break them down a little bit, but we're probably going to do some podcasts on each of these and kind of go deeper. Yeah. Because you can go pretty deep on these. Yeah. And there's a lot to know. So right now, this is kind of just an exposure, 
kind of realize kind of what there is out there that you can do and kind of get started if you if something you're interested in. Yeah, and what so before we get into this, we got a lot of this information from an organization called Chooseify. And they started in 2017, and they've really been at the forefront of kind of explaining and, and building a community around what it looks like to be financially independent. Mm-hmm. And they've come up with a list of pillars that for them, they found over their research and over their communication with a lot of people who are kind of pursuing this financial independence in their own life, these are the things that they're doing. Or these are the things that they've already done to get to the level where they feel that they're confident that they're financially independent on their own. Mm -hmm. So that's what we wanted to walk through. We wanted to walk through kind of these, these things that they've laid out explain them and then like Kevin said to kind of go into more detail at a later time because we don't want to there's a lot of conversation that we could have at this point yeah and we don't want to do overwhelming talks about any of these right now because I don't think that'd be helpful no it would not be and with that we'll go ahead and get started with number one here so long-term investing and low-cost index funds yeah so the key there is the end point first Explain that endpoint. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Low cost index funds. So we're looking at um, management fees and different fees that are associated with a mutual fund or um, index funds. And with that, you could be spending a management fee of 0.5 percent, one percent, two percent, and even higher, depending on where you're at. That you don't necessarily have to be doing. And the long term investing portion backing up even before that is we're not just doing um, small stocks to get quick gains here. This is, this is, you're in it for the long haul. You're getting into the index funds. You're looking at uh, more um, index mutual funds that perform long-term really well. Right. So you're looking at those and you're making sure that there's um, no load fees on it when you get in. So that means you don't have to put in so much uh, to get in and it doesn't take, some of that percentage. Yeah. And you also don't want to have a big uh, management percentage on it either. Yeah. And they are out there. Yeah. They are. And, and we talked about this in a previous episode. I don't, I don't remember which number off the top of my head, but we talked about this earlier where you can do these low index funds on your own and with, you can hire somebody. Yes. So this isn't like I need to hire somebody only to do this. Really, a lot of people who are doing this financial independence are doing it on their own. Yes, yes. And, and they're finding great sources, which we can go into more in, in, in an episode where we're really locking into this topic alone. Mm-hmm. They're finding great options where they're getting into this. So um, for you, I think this really locks into when you're talking your your customer, your clients, your customers, your clients <laughs> about kind of what their retirement looks like down the road, I think we're really focusing on, on let's have low, low cost. Yes. And let's do it for a long time. Yes. Two keys right there. Yeah. Low cost, long time. Yeah. So that's number one. That's number one. Second one, affordable housing. Affordable housing. What does that mean? Does that mean Section 8 housing? Is that, that what we're talking about housing. today, Kevin? That is not. That's so not what we're, we're talking about. about is, and when we said affordable housing, maybe you just laughed out loud with the current interest rates and everything out yeah. there. And I understand that. But what we're talking about here is don't pay for more than you have. Yeah. That you can afford. Yeah. So, and once again, it, you made such a great point earlier that this is so variable depending on who you're talking to, right? Yes. The, the options change so much depending on what situation different people are in. Yeah. So affordable housing, for some people, a couple episodes we discussed 
buying and renting. Yeah. And the pros of each. Mm -hmm. With the interest rates being so astronomically high right now, right? Affordable housing for a lot of people might look like renting for the next year. Yeah. And And that that might be the smartest decision that you need to do right now as far as long term, what's going to be the best for my financial situation. Mm -hmm. So kind of thinking through those options and not just jumping into something because you heard one person say, well, you need to buy a house and that's the best thing. Yeah. If the market is a bad situation for you right now or a job situation isn't conducive to you buying a house, right, don't do it. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just goofy. And we can, once again, we're going to go into this more. We can discuss maybe what affordable housing is and kind of help you understand the math on how to figure out yeah. um, what that looks like in your specific situation. Yeah, yeah. We'll go into more of the percentages and all of that. But uh, just be aware, affordable housing, something to be very uh, – um, in tune with there. So yeah. the next one would be car ownership. And this is kind of a big one for a lot of people. This is. Yeah. yeah. So when we're talking about people who are really locked in, remember this is this this list comes from a community who is locked into this idea of financial independence. And they found the trends overall uh, for people who are achieving this financial independence, most of them at an earlier age mm-hmm. are doing these things. And a lot of them, when we're talking about car ownership, they're not buying new cars. No. And why is that? Because historically, a car loses about $2,700 the minute you drive it off the lot. <laughs> immediately. Yes. Right? Immediately. It's, it's a cannot, huge percentage of the yeah. value of the car. Yeah. Right away. Right away. The minute you drive it off, if you were to turn around and go right back in and try and sell it, you would not get what you just paid for it. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. And it only goes down from there. Yeah. And, and, and why is that? Is that because something happened to the car? No. <laughs> right. It's just because it's, it's great marketing from the car company. <laughs> so, I it, mean, it's, it's unfortunately, yeah, it's, it has a lot to do with that. And also just because, um, now it's harder to sell because someone has owned it before. So, yeah. you know, you go through all this stuff, but all in all, and I know that buying used is now harder to do because we had the chip shortage and all of that. And the cost has, the certainly cost gone, has up. gone up. It's true. And there's arguments now for, is this something that I should still consider? And for right now, we would say, yes, you should still consider buying used. Even yeah. with the chip shortage and even with uh, prices being maybe a little bit different, um, you'd still cheaper to buy a used car. Yeah. And most of them, like you can find good deals still. They're, you just have to look a little harder, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, and honestly, even the flip side of this, right, is, is the car choice that you're going with, mm-hmm. right? Do I need a Mercedes-Benz? I may feel like I need a (laughs) Mercedes-Benz, right? I really want that AMG in my life because it would make me very happy. But a Corolla is going to do the exact same job. Oh, yeah. In in reality, right, because what's the point of a car? It's to get me from point one to point A and to be able to fit people in it and stuff in it. Yeah. And a cheaper used car is going to do the exact same thing as a newer used car, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or well, that didn't really make sense. A cheaper used car is going <laughs> to do the same thing as a brand new car, yes. right? And yeah. a, a less expensive car, in theory, is going to do the exact same thing as a expensive car Yeah. for most of what I needed to do. Yes. So depending on what you in your life need, you know, making a better decision on Mm -hmm. which type of car you own and then getting a used car rather than a new car um, makes a lot of sense. And once again, we can go into a lot more detail on that, but that's just that mindset on, on if I want to be financially independent, there's some sacrifices I may need to make in my life as far as my wants. 
Or yes. my, yeah, yeah, my wants, not my yeah. needs. Yeah, your yeah. wants, yeah. And yeah, I mean, if you want to think about it this way too, the average car payment in America right now is actually close to $700 yeah, that's absurd. a month. It's crazy. That's absurd. So I have bought my cars and I've driven them since. Like we've, uh, my Jeep is, I don't know, 12 old. years old. It's old. It's, it's old. It's very old. And it's seen a lot. It's seen a lot, <laughs> it's but been, it's still going. It's been through a lot. Yeah. But you know what? The cool thing about that is I don't have to pay $700 a month. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's $7,200 a year. Yeah. You know, if you're trying to achieve financial independence, $7,200 a year can go kind yeah. of far. Yeah. Now try to have two cars Yeah. and now try to get a higher payment. It'll try to do $500 payments each. Yeah. Right. You're looking at $1,000, well, $12,000 a year. Make this personal on my side, right? We got in a car accident last January. I yeah. got rear-ended. My car got totaled. And my wife and I only have one car now. It's not because we couldn't afford another car. We could have made the payments and gotten another car. But for us, we didn't really like need it. So we were able to make do with one car. And we're saving money on insurance. We're saving yeah. money up front on a car. We're saving money on maintenance on a car. I mean, it just made a lot of sense. And that wasn't something that we necessarily thought about until I got in a car accident. But yeah. like we reevaluated things and we made that decision and we're actually saving money now. Yeah. And it it really does go far. It, it does. does. It's more than just the car payment that you save. You save on a lot of other things. And that car payment can actually be put aside for repairs if something does come up. But it's still going to be cheaper yeah. than to have a new car and also have repairs, even if there's a warranty, all that stuff. We can go into that on another episode, though. Yeah. But uh, food. Here's another big food, one. Food, love food. Yes. I love food. And this is honestly, a lot of this comes down to your priorities. I think mm-hmm. this is probably where my wife and I struggle the most. Yeah. Because yeah. because for us, food is a priority, right? I I, I enjoy food. Who it makes me happy. I want to get nicer things. I want to go out to dinner for my birthday and not feel bad spending $150, right, if, if we want to do that. Um, is that financially wise? Probably not. Let's be honest. It's probably not the best decision for two of us to spend, you know, a lot of money at dinner. But if we do it occasionally, it makes me happy. I want to do it. Where we're talking about food spending, right, is is there's a lot of math. And we'll go into this a lot more on a, on a yes. specific thing. But there's a lot of math that goes into how much they want you to spend on a meal. I think the number was $2 a meal. Right is they want you to spend two dollars a meal. They don't want you. They want you to limit how much you're eating out because let's be honest, it is more expensive. It's significantly more expensive to eat out. They yeah. want you to limit depending on what you're eating. Right, so more protein or more more vegetables, less protein because of the cost variance. So there's just a lot of think through um, yeah. when we're talking about food. Yes, and once again, we can go more into more detail on that. But just know that you know they're not just talking about living off ramen like maybe you did in college. That's true. And that would be cheap, sure, but you have that line of, do I want to live off ramen the rest of my life to be financially independent? Maybe you do. Maybe yeah. you do. Maybe that's what you want to do. And you you're probably okay shouldn't, that. though, because but the sodium in ramen. It's not good for you. <laughs> not no, good. No. But we'll go into more math on that one uh, in another episode. Yeah. Um, tax optimization. Now, this one. This is a big one. Is a big one. This is number five right now. This is now. a big topic. And yeah. with taxes, there's a lot. So. I guess to kind of give a top-level overview, they have tax loss harvesting that you can do. So this is if you've invested in something that has lost money. Um, There's a lot of stuff you can do with taxes to kind of recoup that. Um, There's so much out there in taxes that people just don't know. And um, just having more knowledge around that is, is huge because you can save yourself so much money, then you probably don't even know about it. 
So we're definitely going to be doing another episode on the tax loss harvesting, tax yeah. optimization, and making sure that people are aware of kind of what even is out there. Yeah, yeah, because there's a lot of tips and tricks that a lot of people aren't aware of that can really help them maximize their taxes yes. and help them not only now with their taxes, but help them long term with wealth building. Mm-hmm. So I think talking through that is is a big deal and something that a lot of people don't address because frankly, a lot of people don't understand it. Yeah. And and when we don't understand something, I think sometimes it is smart just to not deal with it because if you don't understand it and you try to get into it, you might make a the situation worse. Yeah. So understanding it is is the first part, um, and then really making wise decisions off of that is the second part. So we'll get into a lot more detail on that in a, in a separate episode. Yeah, and the next one that would come up then would be credit card rewards. We've talked a little bit about credit score before, um, but when we're talking about more the rewards and maximizing that, there's so much out there. Yeah. There's a lot of information out there, and you do have to be careful because once again, we did talk a little bit about the self-discipline that comes into yeah. credit cards, right? And we do mm-hmm. have to kind of reiterate that, that you do need to be careful. Don't overspend what you don't have. Don't overspend, period, and make sure you're paying it off at the end of the month. But if you're doing that, you can get some pretty good rewards for that. Yeah, for sure. And if you're already trying to trim, right, this can kind of be a little extra that you yeah. trimmed, and now you have a little bit of extra, and maybe you put that towards your food budget and now you can pull back some money from that food budget, and yeah. now you're actually using your credit card points to pay for food. And once again, this is this is the very like in-depth uh, model, right? Like we're talking like these guys are involved, they're serious. Yeah, that you could fall anywhere on this matrix, right? Yeah. You could be on the other end of this. Does not seem interesting to me. I just want to live and do what I want to do. But maybe I'll take a few of these because they do make sense and it does help me. And you could go all the way into, I'm doing all of these yeah. and I know that it'll benefit. You could fall anywhere on any of these, but once again, we're just kind of telling you what they are. We're going to be going through them once again. And the um, credit card rewards are something that yeah, you can definitely use. It's a big deal. A lot of people, when I was listening to podcasts, kind of preparing for this, a lot of people are for the credit card rewards. They specifically talked about traveling for free, right? And I broadened it for us into credit card rewards because both of us are more on the cash back credit card side. Yeah. Um, but certainly um, when we're talking about credit card rewards, a lot of people use them for their vacation, right? Yes. You can buy all of your flights or all of your hotels with the credit card rewards. And thinking through that, hopefully people, if you're, if you're at this stage of thinking through your own financial independence and you've kind of hit a lot of these things already, you're not necessarily struggling with the, I need to pay my bill at the end of the month, right? Right. So when we're talking about credit card debt, which we'll go into later, I'm sure, um, a lot of people steer away from credit cards because you can get into more debt and Mm -hmm. it's something that you need to be aware of. But hopefully for people who are pursuing this financial independence and are really locked in, that's not really something you need to worry about. We're not we're not really stressed about paying, you know, going into credit card debt. Yeah. We're pretty disciplined. We have a good strategy. We're not really stressed about that. And now we can maximize and really right. capitalize on these rewards. Yes. And that's what's key is making sure you make it work for you. Yeah. So coming into the next one here, we're at number seven. Um, this one has really gained popularity over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, cutting the cord, the cable cord, and also low phone bills. So... Um, 
you could even lump internet in here too, to be mm -hmm. honest. So internet, you can negotiate if you have, if you're in an area where there's at least two good internet providers, whether it's Time Warner, AT&T, that's kind of the top ones that we have here, Uverse. Um, you can call them and just say, hey, look, I don't want to, not so much I don't want to pay this, but hey, you know, there's, is there any promotions you're running or is there any way I can get a better rate right now? Because I really don't want to leave you guys and go somewhere else. Is there something else I can do? Yeah. And sometimes they'll work with you and you yeah. have nothing to lose by trying, but um, that can save you money, right? Yeah. And then cutting the cord, I actually don't know many people anymore that are in their 30s that have cable. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think the vast majority of people are really shifting to a Hulu or a Netflix or whatever else options there are out there. Yeah, so if you still do have cable out there, definitely consider cutting the cord on that and maybe getting a couple different services, try them out. They all have free trials mm -hmm. for so long, and you can see if you like it, and then you would save so much money doing that. Um but I will say the majority of people I know that are probably 40 and younger, the only reason that they may have it is for sports. And now with like Hulu Live and Fubo yeah. and YouTube TV, YouTube TV yeah, you don't really sure. even need it's it for that everything. anyway. So, yeah. yeah so yeah. definitely consider cutting the cord. And then the phone bills. That's mm -hmm. something else to think about. You know, you can actually buy your phone outright versus like going to AT&T and getting a plan and, you know, getting a phone and now you only have to pay 25 a month, but on top of that, you have to pay for your service plan and whatever else you might have. Yeah. If you buy a phone outright and then just put it on there, it should be cheaper yeah. and it's a one-time payment real quick and you don't have to buy the newest, latest model, just like that car we were talking about, yeah. right? Um, yeah. Something to consider about the phone bills though, that'll help lower it. But you also don't have to go with the big hitters like yeah, Verizon, yeah, AT&T. Yeah, shop around. Get a yeah. get a different company, right? Go on a family plan, yeah. right? Uh, we, my wife and I are actually on a plan with my in-laws and yeah. my brother. -in -law, a lot of people do that, right? Yeah, and we're we're paying less than overall as a family because it's it's a bigger plan. Even though we don't, we, there's three different homes, yeah, right, that are in that plan. But they allowed us to get onto a plan, and we're saving money by doing that. Yeah, absolutely, and. Also, there's always promotions running. So mm -hmm. just go look at what there is and you might be able to save more than you thought. Yeah. Um, one other last thing is also your car insurance. Uh, try and just check into that every year and make sure yeah, that shopping. you do have a good Shop rate. around. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Don't just take, for really any of these things, don't just take the first initial uh, price that you get yes. really on anything. Yeah. So, and, and once again, I think, I didn't say this yet. I think this is a really interesting point for people. Um they, a lot of the research that I read said for every $100 that you're able to save on, on any of these things, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're able to cut the cord, right, you'd be like, oh, it's only, I'm only saving 70 bucks a month, right? Mm -hmm. Because I still have to pay for something else, yeah. right? So the offset is only $70. You know, oh, what's $70? You know, and I, I save 20 bucks on my phone. Oh, what's 20 bucks, right? That's almost $100. They say every $100, if you put it into a long-term investment account, and you let it sit in 20 years that hundred dollars turns into 60 grand right it's if you're consistently thought. doing that every single yeah. month yep. right so you'd be like oh what's a hundred bucks a hundred bucks could be sixty thousand dollars it could be your right? retirement in, really. in 20 years <laughs> yeah so that i mean that's and and that's just on one one thing right yeah. if we save a hundred dollars on housing and we save a hundred dollars on car ownership and we save a hundred dollars on food and we save a hundred dollars on you know blah 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 insert category yeah we can see why it starts to add up yes right over time yeah and 
we also kind of talked a little bit about compounding and cash uh, accounts, savings. Uh, check out that episode if you haven't see, already seen it or watched it. Yeah. But um, that compounding is so huge, and this does go right into that. Yeah, so, for sure. Um, so right now, we're going to go to the last one here, the 4% withdrawal rate. So. Yeah, which honestly, um, I'm sure you've gotten a little bit in the, in recent years. There's been a little bit of variance, I think, on this four yes. percent, and some people have shifted to different numbers. I think there's been a little bit of a push to get down to maybe three percent. Yeah. Um, but when we're talking about four percent, this has been around for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just explain um, when people say four percent withdrawal rate, what what does that mean, right? What what do I yeah. what am I talking about? Four percent. Yeah. So the four percent withdrawal rate is kind of the idea of it is that you get enough money so that you can live off 4% of what you have in your future in perpetuity, investments. right? In perpetuity. Forever. Forever. You live off that 4%. So I guess just to make it easy, say you have $1 million. That 4% would mean that you're living off of $40,000 yeah. a year, right? Yeah. And, you know, for a lot of people, they're like, I don't think I can live off $40,000 a year. Well, then $2 million would get you eighty. Yeah. you know, and so on. Like what you said, all the numbers are variable. But the idea is, is that living off 4% would be an, enough historically to, you can live off of it forever because that 96% extra that you're not living off of is still making the money. It's going to grow. And it's going to grow. Yeah. And that way you're not just spending down, you're kind of breaking even if not still gaining, mm-hmm. which you should still be gaining historically, but there will be years where you won't. And it's a little hard to really fathom that because... When you have a down market year, it can really cause some panic if you're not someone who's very self-disciplined. You yeah. could just completely abandon everything you worked hard for, yeah. and it, it can be rough. So that's why some people are going to more of a 3% because, you know, what's the difference between a percentage? How much does that really matter? It can it matter. Makes a big difference. Yeah. Depending yeah. on the compounding, once again, yep. that 1% can be a difference. Yeah. And if you obviously the less you have to have to live off of, the better off you are, because then you have even more working for you. Yeah. But the idea of the four percent is that you live off four percent for the rest of your life, more or less. Yeah. And you're able to do that while still saving and making more money, just doing the interest and the um, long-term planning, investing, and getting the gains from that. And if you're wondering, well, how do Kevin said, you know, I need $1 million and 4% off of that. Well, how do I know that I need one, $1 million? Or how do I know that I need $2 million? Or, or how do I know what number I need specifically? When we get into that specific yeah. topic, we, we can, there's math, right? There there's there's math. always math that helps yes. you look at your specific situation and get to a great answer that works for you. Because what works for Kevin might not work for you, right? Mm-hmm. And, and what works for you might not work for me. So um, understanding the why and the how to get to what works for you and to figure out your question and your answer, not your question. I think you already have your question. Figure out the answer to your question, right. right, is 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 what's important. So I think that's just kind of an overview, yes. right? Financial independence, I think, for a lot of people is something that's confusing. Mm-hmm. And what we wanted to do is just kind of explain that financial independence is long-term not being stressed about my bills, right, and having the money to be able to cover the lifestyle that I want. And that could include still working. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's having a plan, right? And having a strategy that's that's going to be going on for perpetuity. And then 
in the process to get to that stage of I am now financially secure, we just went through a bunch of different things that people need to hit. And we're going to talk about that at a later date. But hopefully that kind of gave a broad explanation into what that is and we can we can hit more if when people have questions. So if you do have a question on any of these things, you know, and you want to ask them before we get to the specific topic that that's at hand. Um, if you're on YouTube, write a comment, right? Let us know. Yeah. Um, if you're if you're on a, a podcast app, I think some of them um, let you, you can, do reviews on and stuff. Podcasts, you can right? ask the question. Also, uh, financialfeastpod.com. There's an ask us thing. Mm-hmm. You can go on, email us, and as well as our Facebook and Instagram, you can also comment on that too. So yeah, there's plenty of different ways to get a hold of us if you would like to and ask those questions. And yeah, because what we what we want to do is if somebody has a specific question, yeah, we want to give you a specific answer, right? right? And we might not go into like extreme detail for you specifically, especially if it's on the interweb and everybody's gonna know, right? But like, yeah. if you have a question on something specifically, we'd love to answer you your and then maybe do a podcast episode on on that question so then other people can kind of learn from a question that you had that might apply to them too absolutely so with that check us out on financialfeastpod.com our instagram uh we also have facebook youtube and actually uh, zach doesn't even know this yet but we have twitter now boom yeah so we just did twitter nailed it last night super late i made a twitter that's awesome and we're gonna start using that too we're gonna we're gonna tweet Yes, we'll be tweeters. Yes, we're going to get it done. We're going to be tweeters on the Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, we look forward to seeing you next time. Stay tuned.